Well, welcome to our box. Hello to to Amy from all the way across town. Um, due to <laughs> concerns of the world and social distancing, Amy and I are podcasting remotely today. I am at my house. She is at hers. So we are definitely more than six feet apart, which is, of course, healthy these days. Um, and we're happy to still be able to try to bring this to you. We were laughing because in our first podcast, I was the one who was kind of technology not illiterate by any sense of the means but I'm definitely not an early adopter and so we were kind of joking that this is now taking our uh, skill set to a whole new level <laughs> well and you're the pro now uh, and you have found a way to call me through the podcast app so kudos <laughs> and and thank you anchor right we're going to insert a little thank you to anchor not a paid for buy but no um because literally this is this is how we're staying connected in the quarantine. Yeah, it's made it very easy, which is awesome. Um, so today we wanted to talk a little bit about thoughts on women in leadership. And, and last time we talked about some gender roles and maybe how uh, women fare when it comes to less traditional roles for themselves or interacting with um, industries that are less traditional for them. And so taking things mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a step further wanting to talk about women in leadership. Um, And as I was thinking about this over the past, you know, week and a half, two weeks here, um, I think one of, one of the things, what an interesting or opportune time it is for our Mm. generation, Amy, our box, our 35 to 44 box, but also I think the women coming up below us, um, you know, we've never really lived in a time, truly, where women couldn't get an opportunity. I mean, yes, there are certainly challenges in some areas, but at least in our country, in our time, there isn't anything that really women can't do, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents raised me to just sort of believe, maybe this is the millennial curse, but I could do whatever I wanted. And, and never in that conversation did gender enter mm-hmm. the mix. Right. And I think, you know, when my mother was growing up, you know, to get a credit card, her dad, when she was not married, her dad would have had to sign on it mm. with her. I'm sure if she were married, her husband would have had to sign on with her. And th- I mean, that's just not a factor in, in my upbringing. And I think so with that in mind, how, you know, it, we're only here because the women in front of us did what they did, right? But I don't, I don't think we have to do the same things. I think we're at this time where I believe we have the opportunity to um, not only build on that, but actually change the narrative and, and really make women leading something truly unique and special and frankly, different than men leading. I don't think leadership has to be one thing. And I think a lot of the ways that we've, um, defined leadership or defined what it takes to eventually become a leader in our lives have been based on the way that men have done it in the generations before us. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't necessarily consider myself an enormous, um, you know, feminist drum beater in terms of like uh, uh, protesting or, or anything of that nature, but certainly I'm, I'm obviously for, for equal rights, but I, I just really think that to assume that women need to lead in the same way 
or take the same path toward leadership that men have taken traditionally over time. I think that's a mistake. I think, mm-hmm. I think we can, and you know, it, it wasn't possible in generations before. I think you had to follow that path in order to just like beat down that glass ceiling. But yeah. in so many ways it has been broken. And so what can we do now to, to just really own it and live in it and make it our thing as opposed to something we're chasing? Mm. You had said that um, to me a while ago when we were kind of brainstorming about this topic and just, are we, are we forcing women to fit into a structure that men built for men? Mm-hmm. Um and maybe you phrase it differently, so forgive me if I butchered that, but I, I love this concept of we've got to look at leadership and women's roles a little differently, um, you know, not to get too deep, but uh, I, and I didn't, I'm not the biggest fan Sandberg, uh, formerly of Facebook, certainly had a story uh, worth telling and worth women reading, um, but she had a quote about leadership. Uh, that I've always kind of had in back of my mind that I, that I love. And she said, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that impact lasts in your absence. Ooh. And to me, yeah. And to me, it just underlies the point that you can be a leader, you know, without a title, Mm -hmm. right? You, you can be a leader without climbing, some ladder of social acceptance or, you know, roles uh, or titles or just um, those sort of typical leadership uh, uh, roles. And, and I, I think that's so important to recognize how local it can be and how immediate it can be in your inner circle and at any, you know, rung of the ladder, I guess. Yeah. No, I think that's an, a, a wonderful point because you're right. You don't have to have achieved a certain height in order to consider yourself or to be considered by others as a leader. Um, And one of the things, you know, a way to do that would be, in my mind, instead of considering what your title is, or instead of considering how many years you've been in an industry or, you know, whatever other accolade, what are the traits that women tend to bring to the table? And I know that's a broad generalization, um, but what are the traits that women tend to bring to the table that are in the world, not just in the workplace, but in the world that are different than the traits that men typically bring to the table. And how can we leverage those to be um, maybe equal footing or perhaps even more important footing, depending on what the trait is, than what than what men bring to the table. And I think, like I had said early on, I don't think that was a possibility in generations before ours, because it was just like, it was so hard for women to even be recognized that I think accentuating our more, some of our more natural traits would have been looked at as a disadvantage. Mm. But I think, you know, because of the, because of the growth or the, um, the journey we've been on, now we can take some of those and uplift them as real assets and real strengths to, to want. And so um, I think you're right. Like it doesn't have to be a title or it doesn't have to be a, um, a specific industry. It can just be very localized and very personalized and, and it can be for, for any person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I love that you say what traits are there, you know, it makes me think of if people are familiar with, um, John and Stacey Eldridge and their, um, 
Christian sort of evangelical um, writers, authors, and uh, John Eldridge wrote this book, Wild at Heart, kind of about how men are created, and Stacey has uh, one on the opposite uh, spectrum for women, and it really speaks oh. to how you know, as men and women, we have traits. Men are the the rescuer, right? They want to rescue. They're the masculine dominant. Um, and women can be emotional and um, tender, right? And the caretaker and things like that. And I, sometimes I feel like those traits are dismissed when we, when we translate them to leadership mm-hmm. roles for right. women. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm the guiltiest of showing sometimes too much emotion, uh, particularly in, in my work and the things that I'm passionate about. And, um, I can get wrapped up in, in emotional responses sometimes, but I do think it, there are days it makes me better. There are days it makes me, um, just a better leader of others because I, I am kind of, you know, emotionally connected and invested and pushing forward for this goal that I feel so strongly about. And so, yeah, uh, those can be motivating tools, right. For a team or for people, um, around me. Uh, so I think that can be a trait that women can bring that sometimes gets dismissed. Well, don't be emotional, right. right? Don't, don't cry. Don't, don't show that reaction. And it's like, well, that's making me better at right. this. Potentially. Yeah. Right. I, I know. I think you're right. And I think one of the experiences I've had over my time and I've, I've led teams of different sizes and of different age groups and of different genders and all of that. Um, and I think, um, one of the things that, that women tend to be better at are personal relationships, um, in terms of like, how was your day or thinking about, you know, they've got a lot going on on their plate right now. How can I, uh, adjust things around them to be, more palatable for their work life, or I know they've got something personal going on. So what can we do to, to kind of reinforce our support for that person? Those are emotions. And those are, those are traits that women bring to the table. And I think I've always found that people work harder for you if they know you care about them as a human being. And I think women tend to do that incredibly well. Um, and so that is something that we can lean on as a gender and say, you know, this, this deserves recognition. And, and like, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going right. to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's the, it's the old adage. People don't care what you know. They want to know that you right. care. Yep. So yeah. And that's exactly right. I do think it's funny. Um, well, I wonder if it's because, you know, men are, are more of those compartmentalizers and their brains can kind of turn off and forget sure. one aspect yeah. of yeah. life while they're focused on another. And, and maybe women have that strength and being able to multitask, but being able to remember, oh, this person's going through this at home. I should have a little bit more of a tender touch yeah. with them. Yeah, um, I don't think you're wrong. You know, there. and just and just taking the whole picture together. Yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong on that. One of the things, though, that I think, um, so when I was trying to think about women who I've I've wanted to emulate or women I've looked at as you know great examples in my life. Um, I think one of the things I do that bothers me is I tend to get louder. (laughs) If I get frustrated that I'm trying to communicate something and I don't feel like I'm being heard, um, I tend to get louder. And that's, that's, you know, just because you're saying something louder doesn't mean you're saying something effectively. And so (laughs) I have, I have never heard you loud. I don't, what, 
give me an example of this because no one, everyone knows you can hear me in Fargo right now. So what? Tell me, like, I'm just the loudest human being over. But what do you I mean know. by that? I think I have a tendency to talk over people, or I have a tendency to reiterate myself maybe too many times mm. where it's like gosh if I just say this exact same thing for the 48th time maybe they'll finally <laughs> see it my way and obviously like either a I could be wrong or b I could find maybe I need to find a better way to express myself but anyway one of the things that I admired was um yeah kind of in a, a gosh probably 10 15 years 10 gosh 10 years ago at least now the organization that I worked for on our board of directors was this woman, Linda, and she had a very illustrious career, um, worked overseas as a, I believe a CEO, if I'm not mistaken on her title. Um, and one of the things she did so well was she was an amazing listener, right? Like, so she would gather information either from individual conversations or the group conversations the board of directors would have. And she was she always had this like low tone, quiet, quiet mm. voice almost. But what it, I don't know if it was her demeanor or her mm. private conversations that led up to her public statement or what have you. But anytime she would interject in a board meeting, whether to ask a question or answer a question or, you know, provide information, whatever it was. I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the room and everyone was like <laughs> turned to Linda and just soaking up all of the material she was giving them. And I mm. always thought, I want to find out, how do you do that? Right? Like, how do you, yeah. when you don't feel like, um, when you don't always feel like leadership is going to be yours maybe because you're a woman. Like if you're the only woman in a sea of men in a, in a, in a mm -hmm. meeting or in an industry or whatever it might be. And you probably run in this into this a lot in your line of work, Amy, mm -hmm. but like, I would love the ability to, to, to perform like Linda, right. To just have this like yes. quiet, calm command of a room where when you say something, it is, listened to it may not always be taken right because who knows what the conversation is happening but but the the fact that you are heard and considered and valued in that conversation um she just did it and it that was so, mm. so admirable and I just I I I was always amazed by her you know it's I wish I had someone like that too to learn from and, and hear from um in a room I have gone the other way, like you said, being in a sea of men quite a bit uh, in politics and, and not upset about that and not feeling like I had to buck the trends. It just was how it was. There are a few women on my side of um, the political counting of the votes, kind of managing races, those types of things, those roles. Um, and so I think I, I sort of shut down on, I never felt comfortable and still struggle with um, interjecting my actual thoughts and opinion. And part of it is I am not good at uh, articulating and formulating on the spot. I need time to think and collect and organize my thoughts so that they are well thought out and I'm better in writing. Mm. Um, and so, you know, even if asked over an email chain, you know, Amy, and we welcome your thoughts. I usually wouldn't if they, if I felt like they would be redundant or I thought the other person had said something 
articulately. And I thought, well, I can't, I can't do anything better. I can't offer anything better than that. So, or even different Mm -hmm. than that. Um, So I just didn't. And so, and because of that, I think because of there being a, a majority of men in the room and also not being asked, just decided for myself that I maybe didn't need to share my own opinion mm-hmm. or my thoughts. And I'm learning that when I do, I often get a different reaction and people have, well, they do welcome those. Um, and so maybe I should have started doing that a long time ago and I'd be more comfortable. <laughs> uh, but I also think maybe it's because I didn't have the example of a woman who was able to do it well. Sure. But when you say slower processor, I, I, I am that way. And I think many women are, I have no idea if it's the majority or not, but I think many women are, you know, going back to the earlier comment, like, can we work those kinds of processing timelines into the way that Mm. we lead? I mean, because that could have some value for a lot of people, because how many times have we come to a decision and either made it too quickly where then we wish in hindsight, we could have gone back and and slowed down or we do something and we all say, okay, let's take a day now to think about this. Right. What if we could do the take a day and think about it kind of on the front end and, you know, use that processing time to formulate a a good answer, a a good opinion of whatever we is we want to share instead of this need to, you know, leadership. Oftentimes I think people, equate it with being able to make snap decisions. And of course that's good in certain instances, but typically those instances are emergencies, right? And even, even in cases of emergency, unless you're like, you know, resuscitating someone on an operating table or stopping a building from burning down, taking, (laughs) taking five, 20 minutes or, you know, some amount of time, is okay. And I think we don't let ourselves feel that way. We don't let ourselves, um, Mm. we think, well, I have to make this decision now I'm supposed to be the leader. And it's like, okay, well, what if leading meant processing all of the information and then making a good sound, solid decision, right? I don't think that would be terrible. No, I think you're right. And there is so much, and I feel it internally too. There's so much um, pressure to rush to complete a task or rush to respond, um, that sometimes you've got to give yourself and other people the room, right. To, to react. Just to jump back into the conversation. One Mm -hmm. of the things that I have thought about though, kind of on a maybe less, uh, forward looking you know, less idealistic perspective is sometimes I do get frustrated that, previous generations do look at our generation, the generations younger than us as almost ungrateful or mm. um, lazy when it comes to taking on leadership positions. So, you know, uh, raising our hand to sit on boards, um, maybe running for office, um, seeking out different positions in the workplace. Sometimes I, I get the impression that somehow we're, they, they feel like it's our turn to take the ball but we're not taking it. And one of the things I feel strongly about is just because it's the ball you created doesn't mean it's the ball I have to pick up. Now, do you mean like, forgive my, if I'm going to offend anybody, but the feminists 
Do you mean kind of those? Um, a, a, li- a little bit, but those I, I voices. Just, mm-hmm. I, I think, so. yeah, I think it's like, and I guess I hear it a lot when I, t- when you, there are these groups like, and I'm not picking on a specific group, but like groups that specifically focus on women in leadership or groups that specifically focus on women in politics or, and, yep. and I would hear a lot of these coming out of college, especially. So, I mean, I know it's been eons now, but, um, you know, it almost seemed like they would say, Hey, we fought to open up these doors for you. We fought to get this seat at the table. And now you act like you don't even want it. Right. And, and I can understand that frustration. I do. Um, because it's something they worked very hard for and something we benefit from enormously. But at the same time, I feel like just because it's something you wanted doesn't mean it has, and I don't, I don't, I mean that, I mean a specific position, not the concept Mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. you know, being able to, but just because you wanted this specific elected official job, or you wanted this specific board of directors roles, doesn't mean I have to want it. And, um, and I, I just sometimes get frustrated by that. So it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where I wish if you're going to pass me the baton, great, but let me do with the baton, what is right for me personally and my generation. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Well, and, and we get, we get a lot of criticism for, like you said, the percentage of women in Congress or, uh, which is, I think, 25, and the percentage of women that are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, which I, I could not tell you the stat, <laughs> um, if it's even 10%, I, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, you know, to your point, what's, what is, when, when, when jumping into those things, you know, I often hear a lot of people say, well, we just need more women. It's like, okay, because why? To fill a quota right, yeah. think in your head adds a different value or changes this body. Um, right. What, what's the end goal? Would, would women really make that organization better, that business better? Um, I think yes, in a lot of ways women do, but, but I can't answer that question for, you know, every individual concept and business and organization out there. Right. Uh, right. So to me, it may not be a blanket. Yes. Um, and uh, I don't know. And people can disagree with me. So I guess question is, is why, and then also why aren't women running to, to then do those things and enter the, those arenas? Mm-hmm. What is holding them back? If the doors, like you said, have been open and the seats at the table are there and we have the same rights and we can all vote and we have the larger percentage of the population. <laughs> Right. right. Yeah. What other hurdles are in the way? And sometimes I personally feel like it is because if I raise my hand to do these things, there is a certain expectation laid upon me, a certain path I have to follow, a certain set of rules I have to follow. And those rules don't fit into my life, which at this stage, my life includes being a wife and a mother. And I know a lot of people will poo poo that and think mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, living in the 1800s. But those are important things to me. And those those are roles that I chose first and very purposely. I very purposefully, yes. you know, got married and very purposefully had children. And I don't want to assume those things are um, uh, negotiable. And, you know, like that's one of the things where I struggled with reading um, in our book club when we read Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated her view of, you know, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no when it comes right. to balancing all the opportunities in your life. 
but what I disagreed with was this, like, it was almost like I had to hire a nanny or a babysitter for my evenings so that I could achieve everything that I wanted to, you know, so I could like be everywhere all the time. Mm. And, and maybe I misinterpreted what she wrote, but I don't think so because it's like you work during the day and then you have to have your, you know, your friend time and then you have to have time to be creative and then you have to have time to work out. And then you have, and, and all of those things have value. They do. Um, and they are all things that I try to work into my life, but I don't try to work them in every day. Right. And so for me, if I, if I'm going to go run for office, you know, let's, let's just use our local legislator legislature as an example, you know, so every other year for 80 days of my life and my children's lives and my husband's life, I would basically need to be offline and fully committed to that with any hour of the day or night, whether it's, you know, committee work or um, actually voting or speaking with constituents or attending socials where you learn things or meet people. And it's like, I think that's a wildly important process and I don't, I don't knock it, but I also know it's not something at this stage of my life I can give. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be criticized for that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, when you say this, it's like, I, I was, I was listening to some podcast about diversity and inclusion and women in leadership uh, thinking about this topic. And they were talking about the pipeline of women leaders and it's just like you said, what if women don't want to be piped, right? Like, what if we don't want to be fit into that, that mold and those expectations um, that take us away from the things we'd rather be doing? And, right. and I think that's why women resist it, number one. And mm-hmm. they have a level of control over their lives um, that they prefer <laughs> not be taken away. Uh, but also... You know, I, I see I see women going the other way in some ways. Instead of entering the structure, they're building their own. You know, I think about Lady Boss in Fargo that's got all these women-owned businesses and they're yep. cultivating among women. And I think about the women that I know that have started their own businesses or companies, or you know, if it's a if it's a coffee truck or if it's a bakery or if it's a consulting firm or what have you. And it's it's because there's even if it's a solo operation there's a freedom and a control where nobody's telling them what to do they get to figure it out for themselves navigate it be the boss um, yeah or you know fail or succeed with employees (laughs) or without right and Um, I think being able to define what does being the boss mean right not just not just like, okay, well, I'm going to make all the same decisions that men did. You know, I think that's, that's an enormously wonderful illustration of what I had said early on. Like, I want us to use all of the doors that were open to us. And I want women to make a difference because like you said, we are more than half the population for heaven's sakes, Mm -hmm. but I want us to do it in ways that make sense for us, not just being carbon copies of what men have built. And I, cause I don't think that's the best use of our time, of our skill set, of our God-given traits, of our abilities. I mean, will it fit some people? Of course it will. But right. you know, what if, what if we get to a point, what if in the future, our daughters and our granddaughters can say the men have to fit into our mold. I mean, wouldn't that be an interesting <laughs> flip of the switch? And not that yeah. I want to put men through persecution. I don't want that at all, but I just think like, there's got to be a way that makes sense for women too. And we are at a point 
where we have the luxury to figure that out. So I really right. hope we as a gender capitalize on that for whatever it means for each, you know, individual woman. Yeah, I love that. I do too. You know, my, my, uh, my grandmother, Frida, she was a first generation American and she, you know, married my grandpa and was the bookkeeper for his businesses. And her number one question, uh, as my sister and I graduated college and our cousins too, was, was, what are you going to do for work and where are you working and how is your job? And that was all she ever cared about. And she took so much pride in the fact that we went to work, but, but she always asked, do we love it? Right. And she was the, she got to go to college. She got by the grace of some, some friends, uh, some family friends uh, that paid for her to go to college. Um, And I don't, I don't remember if she graduated or if just, you know, got some, um, some sort of, certifying you know classes that allowed her to do the bookkeeping and whatnot but um but she was so proud that we did something that we loved that was always the question you know it was she was so proud that we worked and that we did something we loved it wasn't about our title or if we were the head or the boss and I I sort of not to sound fruity (laughs) but you know do what you love not not to do not to do it that way but um but if women are are going to become leaders, they really have to, to be passionate and to love what they're doing or they're mm-hmm. not going to. Right. I think, and I think that's true for anybody, you know? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. And isn't it nice too, that the only thing she asked you wasn't who are you dating? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank God. Because I mean, she, she has passed on quite a few years ago and it would still have been several years. I still can't answer that question. <laughs> I know. Well, and you know, I have thought about that relative to where we live, you know, being in North Dakota, where the average marriage age, I, I would guess, is much younger than it is on the coasts. And but at the same time, you and I, you know, don't necessarily fit that mold. Um, I got married in my 30s and you are not yet married in your 30s. So I, I just could you imagine I if I couldn't have a credit card? Go ahead. Still? Could you imagine if I still couldn't get a credit card without my husband? <laughs> I'd be in trouble. I, yeah, I just, <laughs> I, uh, I don't, yeah, it's just one of the, I, I do wonder for people here, is there, is our view of women leading and maybe the constraints or the concerns we have or, or the, the reasons we choose to lead, are those different than people on the coasts who live a different lifestyle, right? Like if you're, yeah, if you're just you, for a longer period of time, are you able to do things, willing to do things, wanting to do things that are different than people who have made other life choices? And I obviously can't answer that. I don't live in LA. I don't live in Seattle. I don't live in New York, you know, but, um, but it crosses mm-hmm. my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, and when you say, if you're just you, you mean without a husband or a, a significant other and, and kids? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I certainly had that luxury for a long time to move around and choose different jobs because of that. Um, And there was less compromise involved with another individual. Right. Um, But I did always say as I got older and kept kept on that sort of treadmill of every two years moving somewhere, I was so tired because I was tired of me and I wanted a reason to to stay somewhere. I wanted to be for somebody else's dream. I wanted to pursue somebody else's 
desire and grow something, you know, with another human being. And, um, right. so I, I think that's inside of, of a lot of people too, um, uh, regardless of how long it takes to get there. Yeah, I agree too. And I don't, and I, I hope this didn't come across as saying like, well, if you're single, it doesn't matter. It's more like if, if it's just up to you, you might choose different, you know, decisions than if it is not just up to you. But, but I agree with you. Cause I know when I was single, like I made certain choices that I wouldn't have been able to make while I, while I am married. But I also felt the same way that I don't want to do it the way someone else did it, or I don't want to meet someone else's expectations just because those are there. I would like to set my own expectations and I would like to meet those regardless mm-hmm. of what they are, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, absolutely. And I, and, but at the same time, I don't want that ever to come across as ungrateful because I would not be able to have that attitude or that um, option if those walls and ceilings and doors and everything else weren't broken right. down by those before us. So it's, it's, it's a hard like you, you have to be appreciative because you couldn't, no matter what lifestyle you're leading leader or not, you wouldn't be able to live your existing lifestyle. I don't think without those generations before, but at the same time, I think women today, like I said, have the opportunity and should take the opportunity to redefine what leadership is for women, not just women as leaders in men's shoes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And are we more ambivalent because we know that the, the freedom to choose and, and potentially go to those places is there because of the women that came before us, you know, if they, if they weren't, would we be angsty? Would we be fighting for that still? Um, yeah. And because it's there, and it is, we don't, you know, we're like, okay, it's there if we want it, maybe we'll go get it. Maybe we and- won't. And it's, yes, I think we are more ambivalent. I think you're hundred percent right. But in some ways, if you want to flip that, I think that's almost a compliment mm. that you did so well at knocking down that door that I, that I can be ambivalent about yeah. it. And that's maybe not, you know, great for certain people to hear, but it's kind of like freedom in America where <laughs> people say like uh, veterans will say, you know, I fought in a war so you could burn the flag. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's of the same nature in my mind. Yes. Yes. I am with you. That is so true. Well, and, and two, they, they've last, they've left a lasting impact, those people. Um, and the world is better off because they were in it. And so can we do the same? Right. But what, like you said, what direction now, what's that impact and, right. and how is it going to be better off? Yeah. How do we make as large of an impact in our, in our circumstances they did in theirs? Yep. That's deep, my friend. Oh, we keep ending with all these big things, man. <laughs> it's all the deep thinking in the alone time and the alone space of quarantine. <laughs> I'm not so alone. To be honest with you. I've got uh, three humans hanging on me every second of the day. It's, it's not been the most, uh, I'm, I'm just going to get real. It's not been the most joyful week and a half, but, uh, oh, I but we are surviving. We are, um, wishing well health to everyone out there. Our, our family, thankfully knock on wood is healthy so far. And we're very grateful for that. Um, yes. I know you and Sean are too, and we're yep. happy you guys are. So back at you. Yes. Well, you'll hang in there. I know, yeah. I know relief is coming if it's in spring weather or Hopefully the lift of yeah. the next few weeks. 
And and to to lead into our next podcast, hopefully a relief too. I don't know how deep it will be. We Amy and I are reading a book called Cringeworthy, and it is about uh, moments in your life where you've uh, maybe stepped in it or you know put your foot in your mouth or whatever. And so as we read through that book, we thought it might bring a little levity and hilarity to our conversation. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say our personal conversations are always this deep, but we turn on the microphone and I feel like suddenly we're like waxing philosophic here. So <laughs> It's true. I do love this title alone. I haven't even cracked the cover, but uh, it's cringeworthy colon a theory of awkwardness. And uh, <laughs> I just feel like I'm going to have, you know, some moments with this author where I'm going, going to feel her. Um, yeah. Cause I myself am very awkward, but uh, yes, by Melissa doll. If anybody wants to read along, and we'll talk about it hopefully next week. Yeah. Do you maybe want to repeat her name just because it cut out a little bit? Oh, so yes. Do you mind repeating her name? Melissa Dahl, D-A-H-L. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. And we're sorry if there were some moments of uh, cutouts there. This is uh, remote technology. And uh, <laughs> in these times, that's what we needed to do. So bear with us. But um, we appreciate you. And we'll be yes. back in in a week or two, depending on listening. how all of this goes. <laughs> Thanks for listening.